0: I think people are going to be much more appreciative of dining out. So I think Australian food we're going to see a lot more more smaller suppliers being used. Like
1: there's so many like local producers that like had a very very rough time during the pandemic and if we are not the one to help them then everyone else would go out of business.
2: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. A sense of identity means a lot in the hospitality industry. Chefs, sommeliers, restaurateurs, waiters, they all trade on their identity, their creative flair, their unique offering. But amongst the daily throes of ensuring guest satisfaction and business viability, capturing and celebrating that identity in its best form is difficult. Has the pandemic allowed the opportunity to reset and execute everything we do in the manner that showcases our very best talents. Dorothy Lee and Jared Walsh are the owners of Hearts Yard in Newtown, Sydney. Dorothy, Jared, how are you going? Very well. Thanks for joining us. You guys are up and coming young talents and uh, you're running your first restaurant ever. Yeah. we have <laughs> had a hell of a first year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're paddling through still. How long did you have the restaurant f- for before the pandemic landed? Uh, it was just
0: just on 12 months, pretty much. Um, yeah, finally hit 12 months and we're like, we have this. And then pandemic.
2: What did it feel like at that stage you guys had... Um, Joined forces and taken over a renowned restaurant in Sydney, and we can get to that at a later date. But when the pandemic landed, how did it feel? And just in sort of after one year's operation,
0: um, well, we didn't really. The problem was we had no idea about, you know, what was happening with the pandemic. I don't think anybody did. And being not really knowing how to run a business um, is like being in our first year. It was just a smack in the face. I'm like, what do we do? How do we do this from now? Like, it was very, very stressful. There was a lot of tears and a lot of
1: uncertainty, I guess. Yeah.
2: That was the worst. Had you guys worked together before you decided to take on owning your own restaurant? Yeah. uh, Very briefly. Yeah. (laughs) Probably for like
0: two months Like, we worked side by side in the kitchen, um, which, yeah, worked pretty well for that two months, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, we never, like, there's no dramas. Like, if we work together, there's no dramas. Like, I think a lot of people will be like, oh, like, how are you guys going? But, like, I don't think we'll ever end up being in a fight or anything because we're both really easy.
0: (laughs) If we're in the kitchen together, then maybe it's a different story. Oh, uh, that's, that's that's why we we kind of split it now. So uh, one in the kitchen and one in the front and it works well.
2: Well, when you took over, when you took over Heart's Yard, you were both chefs and Dorothy, you decided to take over in the front of house. What was that transition like for you?
1: It's actually very hard <laughs> because um, I guess because as a chef you sort of always – not hiding at the back, where like you sort of not have the direct connection to the customers. While um, if I move to the front, then I'm like constantly talking to people. And um, if it's your restaurant as well, it feels a little bit more intimidating as well, because people sort of know who you are and stuff. But um, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it, um, but definitely it was very hard for the first couple of months because I need to adjust a lot of things about myself, how I talk to people and stuff, so, yeah, it's quite interesting.
2: (laughs) In regards to writing a menu, given that you're both chefs, Jared, do you take control of that side of things now, or is there still a collaboration, given Dorothy's background?
0: It's still very, um, very much a collaboration. Um, We're quite open um, when we're writing menus, especially with our staff as well, Um, but, Pretty much Dorothy has put a lot of her um, cultural background from Hong Kong into the menu as well. Like, yeah, it's a very big collaboration with the menu, I'd say.
2: Just a little early, we mentioned that you're a year old when the pandemic landed. What was it like during that time you had the lockdown and you had to deal with the ramifications of that? What, what Jared, what did you do to get through that time and make sure revenue came in? Well, we were a bit shocked at the start.
0: So we're like, what do we what do? we do? So we, instead of jumping into something that we didn't know what to do, we went fishing down on the south coast and we had a holiday and it's not the best time for a holiday, of course, but we needed it. So and then we had a bit of a reflection and we're like, you know what, we don't have a choice. It's either we, it's yeah, it's either we close and then that's it. Like we have bills to pay or we have to open and just keep battling on we just thought of it like kind of going to war i guess um so we're like takeaways the only option and then we have to just drive takeaway and do everything we can to keep keep the business afloat
2: a lot of front of house staff have talked about during that time they felt like their roles were insignificant all of a sudden because restaurants were turned into takeaways dorothy how did you feel in that time given that you were sort of running the front of house and sort of reliant on or uh, well, that sort of vocation wasn't really uh, needed at that time.
1: Yeah, so I guess it's a lot different because you are so used to smiling at people and stuff. You're so used to spending two hours at the table um, looking after these um, customers and then all of a sudden you're down to some some days if you're lucky you get a lot of people that actually come in here and get takeaway from you guys but since we partner with a delivery uh like takeaway company so most days is literally just delivery driver so you're definitely missing the connection about like customers and people and um like one of the staff that we had was like saying how much she misses like talking to people and stuff and it's I think that's the most significant change to front-of-house staff is that you, you really do miss the connection that you create, like it, even if it's just serving people two hours, like for their meal, like just looking after them and stuff.
2: Jared, you mentioned that you, uh, you guys went away and did some fishing. What was that period of time like when you were away? What, a lot of people have talked about this was a chance to reset. What, what sort of happened with you guys during that time?
0: We just pretty much just tried to not think about work on the first few days and then we kind of got to the end and we're like, okay, we need to come up with something. So it was just good to be away from everything and not listen to the news, but then at a certain point we had to come back to reality and the reality was having to do takeaway, having to do something like sell all of our beverage stock and everything like that just to make sure everybody gets paid and, yeah, we can keep going to see when, when we get through it.
2: How difficult was it to come up with a, a menu that works with takeaway? You're used to serving food on plates in a really nice restaurant. Was was the food quite different?
0: Yeah, we wanted to, like, obviously think about the, the customer, like, there was lots of customers as well that are going to be out of a job, so we couldn't really justify serving what we were doing um, in a takeaway box and then charge you know restaurant prices. We can't do that. So we switched to more of like a home style, um, very simple, different cuts of meat, chicken, um, fish, simple vegetables like that, but still using good quality ingredients, but... The problem is you still, again, can't charge restaurant prices. So the margin on money you're making, is, it's the hard part.
2: You took over a restaurant which was renowned in Sydney. And Naomi Hart and Gregory Llewellyn built Hart's Yard and it became, you know, a highly awarded restaurant. And, Jared, you worked um, with them for quite a while before taking over the business. What was it like taking over some and a site that's just so renowned for... For a certain identity, doing that sort of contemporary American using Australian ingredients was it was it a challenge at first for you guys?
0: Yeah, it was massive challenge. <laughs> yeah, like definitely, definitely having having that name, Hearts Yard. We really just wanted to you know make at the start make sure you know we're not losing any any customers or anything like that. But it didn't really feel like our restaurant when we first took over like that took a very long time to really come to grips just because we wanted to make everybody happy I guess and that's the biggest challenge and yeah and also yeah
1: and also like because I I don't know if you know but I also worked for Gregory for like two and a half years as well and I think the reason why we want to take this is because nobody was ready to see this go and then like it gave us so much memory like like me and Jared like we we we've worked here with we we've been the customers here and we've lived in inner west especially me I've lived in inner west for most of my lives, and it's such a like we just don't want to see this place go so I think like it's definitely a challenge because we weren't ready yet and like how are we going to expect the customers to be ready but um I guess as time goes by and we have more an idea of what direction and um, style that we want to take it feels a lot more like us now yeah
2: Dorothy Jared mentioned your Hong Kong background what was food like for you growing up and how did you become a chef
1: Oh, food um, is literally whatever that mom can find in the market uh, because it's a thing in Hong Kong where you just shop in the local market every day. So I'm very, very, I was very, very lucky. Like if mom like wants to buy a fish, um, then I get fish and get live chicken. You get beef, like pretty much everything. Yeah, and um, the reason why I become a chef was um, I actually fell in love making pastry when I was um, in my uni, in my early 20s. But um, I guess, like, it's hard to find a pastry chef job at that time. So I ended up, like, like pe- whatever job that I hired, they ended up just pushing me to the grill and um, hot section and larder. And I actually really liked it. So I just ended up being, like, <laughs> I just, yeah, I just ended up, like, forgetting everything about pastry and just um, started cooking. <laughs> But yeah, that's about it, and it makes you happy. Obviously,
2: <laughs> Jared, you've been uh, cooking for a while too. You're still a young man, but you've been around for a little while. Um, how did you get started in food?
0: I uh, was terrible at school. Like I hated it. Didn't want to be there, and couldn't do maths or s- spelling or anything like that. And the only good thing I was the only thing I was good at was food tech and. In year 10 there, my careers advisor said, I think it's best you leave school and probably will find you a career cooking. And at that time, my brother-in-law, um, he's also a very good chef. And we used, he's, he's from the US and we went on holidays there. And he took me under his wing and kind of showed me like, you know, when I'm like a 13-year-old, I didn't know anything. but I thought it was so cool. And then, yeah, time progressed and ended up starting my apprenticeship in Port Macquarie which was pretty interesting times and um, yeah and then eventually I really just fell in love with everything about it at a young age and I wanted to be better than my brother-in-law because we're super
2: competitive so
0: <laughs>
2: what's been some of the main influences on your careers so far? Um, mine would
0: definitely be working with Greg for a for a bit it's such a Lovely guy to work with and um, worked with Clayton Wells for a bit. And the way that he approaches food is just next level. Um, really, really changes your outlook. Um, yeah, definitely them two
2: have a massive influence. Dorothy, what's spots influenced you?
1: For me, um, I think... At the beginning that really like have a little spark in my career was the time that I worked at Miss G's because it's the first Asian restaurant that I um, ever worked at and it sort of just let me connect with my heritage and like let me connect with the dishes that I had growing up but then I was like oh but I can just make some twists I can just find a new technique to serve it to the customers. And then um, I think moving forward, like career-wise, was definitely um, Paul and Kylie from Momo, because um, of how the fundamental concept of telling a story, culture, and history about Caribbean food there just made me realize um, it is this the biggest impact in my career because like it made me realize that if I want to make this as my career. Like, it is very important to tell something meaningful and show people that, like, come through the door every day that this is, like, this is what you believe in. And I think that's definitely my biggest influence, for sure.
2: Well, Paul Carmichael and Clayton Wells are two extraordinary influences on our culinary landscape.
1: Uh, Oh, 100%,
2: yep. Can you tell us about what you guys are doing there, what, what what's what's a couple of dishes you can tell us about on the plate that talks about what heart's yard is now now that it is your identity yeah so um, pretty much now we've we were doing before
0: the pandemic we were doing share food um, but obviously we need to to pivot and now we've started doing a set menu and I'm not going back to share food i'm sticking with set menu and i think wow yeah it's so much so much fun um and definitely works much better for what what we're doing now and what we want to achieve um probably one of the dishes that really speaks to both of us right now um was our abalone so it's just like a braised um hong kong style abalone and then do like a abalone custard steamed with that and some uh, Yarra Valley salmon caviar so it's kind of like you know we like to have highlight Australian produce and definitely use Dorothy's style of her Hong Kong background.
2: You're both two young talented chefs and now young restaurateurs what's the big challenges and sort of things that have surprised you about trying to run a business compared to working in a kitchen?
0: Definitely finding um, you know good quality staff that are on the same page and want to work towards the same goal is the biggest challenge, I think. Um, and just making like building the team, building the team is everything.
1: Yeah, but I find it quite rewarding now, like especially after COVID, um, people are a bit more appreciative of having a job and stuff. That you can really make an influence on. Like every single of one of our staff is like represents us in a way. So I feel like it's really good that you can make some influence on the way that they approach a job or the way that they see hospitality, especially for front of house, because it's not a very sustainable industry. Not a lot of people stay, not a lot of people last. So I think it's sort of rewarding after COVID for me to make my staff make our staff realize that it is like this is what we want to do and we're so happy that you're on board sort of thing
2: it's been a pretty crazy time for everyone in the industry and restaurants are renowned for low profit margins and I think the latest figures are about 80% of restaurants fail within the first two years irrelevant of a pandemic what's it been like for you guys in your first year you get a pandemic and have to change your model and what's the landscape looking like? The first, the
0: first year was very, very rough. Like opening, like taking over and then the first few months and then you go into a classic Sydney dining winter and then that, that was the biggest shock. We're like, how do we even get through like winter? Like nobody wants to eat out and, and then finally coming into summer, you know, picked up and we're like, all right, we've got this. That's staying throughout the year and then the pandemic. But I think, now people customers are a lot more happier and appreciative to eat out and they're happy to spend the money for an experience and I I, I think dining out is going to be better than ever um, in Australia and
2: everywhere I guess. Dorothy, what's it like at the moment in Sydney there's Melbourne's just opening up again and just people are starting to go back to restaurants with really strict restrictions still, but what's it feel like in Sydney? Does it feel almost back to normal?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, The last month has the biggest change, um, in my opinion, especially with Melbourne um, slowly opening up. You can definitely see that people are, like, a lot more comfortable outside. Um, While before I, I did actually have some customers saying that, oh, you don't need to take my coat, it's better for you not to touch, like, my belongings and stuff. So, um, but while now you can see, like, what I love the most is that on a night, you see um, two tables sitting next to each other and they ended up talking to each other again. And that literally didn't happen for the longest time because people just want to um, stay at their table and, like, they're like, oh, it's better not talk to anyone else. Um while they're still having a great time, but to me, like, to see that they're engaging with other customers that they don't know is definitely a very, very positive sign.
2: When Naomi and Gregory had Heart's Yard, they built up a pretty formidable base of locals that came all the time. What's what's the response been like to this new version, this new identity that Heart's Yard um, has? Do you have any stories of locals and, and what that's like?
0: Yeah, um locals like we uh, i haven't seen so many returning customers since we've had it with the with the current format that's that's probably why i would never go back to share food for us it doesn't i don't think it it suits the style that we are doing right now and what we want to do but we've had customers come back probably four or five times since we've started and we we try to every single time we have a returning customer or local change the change the menu so just tweak it for them so it's different so they don't have to have the same thing every every time they want to come back but the response has been fantastic I think
1: I think we're very lucky as well yeah. because um, like they they because I think it all comes back to how like nice Greg and Naomi were like they they were really nice to the customers and then the customer just like oh yeah like um they they told us that like definitely come back and try and if if they have an open mind like they are like they just keep coming back so I think we're very very lucky to have um really nice customers and stuff
2: we've spoken to a lot of people on this series that have moved to a tasting menu or a set menu type situation to get through the tough period of the pandemic but You know, many of them are keep holding on to them. What's the benefits from a business side of things to having a set menu like that?
0: It's definitely the budgeting. So you can see really exactly how many customers you're going to be doing um, a week and then you can really plan out, you know, how much um, food you need. So there's absolutely zero wastage. That's, yeah, it's very easy to budget.
1: And for front of house, I guess... um my biggest advantage of doing a set menu is that it's so much easier to build a team because um, it's the same thing every day that you do and you can do it really well and you can, you don't need to worry about what are they going to have next instead of worrying that you can really spend your time like looking after the customers and stuff. So
2: you mentioned earlier that this was a time that you guys could reflect and um, steer the, restaurant into a direction that you guys want it to go in what what has it been like personally for you have you do you see your careers in a new light and, and your own lives yeah i
0: mean when we when we wanted to change we decided we changed the the fit out and i think that i could maybe do a career in carpentry because I, I bought i went to bunnings wow. and bought some grills and, bought myself <laughs> that and cut heaps of things up why will why we doing take away? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Oh my God.
1: yeah. Uh, it's so true. <laughs> you actually did an amazing job. Um,
0: but yeah, I think um, definitely in the reflection, this is what we want to do and we're going to stick to it because it's working so well and it's so much fun. Like, And you can definitely see there's more, you can give more of an experience. To the customer with like little surprises in the set in the set menu throughout it.
2: What what's some of the challenges and benefits of working with uh, your partner in a in a business like a restaurant? Do you do you have any funny stories or situations that you guys have fallen into um, that you can tell us about? yeah <laughs> all
1: right you can go first Jared. <laughs>
0: well pretty much we it's some sometimes it's hard because you, you know you wake up together you go to work together you come home together and every, so you like see each other all the time but uh, we we work quite well we don't talk about work outside of work like we try not to um because we don't want to bring any anything home as much as possible um but we, um, funny story, <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, you
1: on the floor. <laughs> oh, yeah, me having
0: to do having to do front of house with Dorothy cracking a whip. That's, that was interesting. <laughs> I don't think I've been yelled at in a very long time so much. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. No, I didn't. I
1: didn't yell at you.
0: Yeah, I do a few rock stars. And, yeah, that was, I think I went bald a bit sometimes, like. There's so many little details that just my brain could not pick up. <laughs> so, I was, yeah, that was very interesting times.
2: How are you feeling about the the future of our, our food industry? You guys are, are young and sort of part of this new wave. Like, how do you see Australian food headed post-COVID?
0: I, I think it's, um, it's a hard one. I think dining I think people are going to be much more appreciative of dining out so I think Australian food is going to be like a lot we're going to see a lot more set menus and um kind of a lot more smaller suppliers being used especially as well I think in in beverage like small yeah. small white, smaller wineries um not so much international wine and drinks
1: hundred percent because I feel like people realize that um, if you like you, there's so many like local producers that like had a very very rough time during the pandemic and if we are not the one to help them then everyone else will everyone else would go out of business like same as us as a small business if we don't have people that want to support a small business we we might like very close to just go out of business. So I think that would be a big sweep like switch to like Jared said that people are would be using a lot more local produce, like smaller producers and stuff. So definitely.
2: With the benefit of hindsight now you guys are more than a year and a half old as a restaurant, would you do is there some things that you'd do differently now that you are involved so much in running a restaurant when you first got started?
0: Oh yeah. We would uh, the name the name change was a big question mark um, and as well like changing just owning it from the start the restaurant and trying to make you know the regular customers happy with the same with the um, American cuisine that was before and we still have people asking now for fried chicken and like it's been to see even since Greg changed it. <laughs> so it's been like two more than two years since the fried chicken was gone we still have that and that's the biggest challenge is trying to how to communicate that from the from the beginning so I definitely would have done something different from the start
2: Dorothy do you have any advice for young professionals looking to start their own uh, restaurant given the experiences you've had in the last year and a half
1: Oh, definitely, yes. I would say um, always, always trust your instinct. Um, and definitely you need to have a very clear idea of what you want to do. And even if it doesn't seem like it's going that way, you got to have belief in yourself. And I think the biggest one that I would say is everything's going to be fine, I guess. <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> you just need to stay positive.
2: often during the series, and fair enough, given the circumstances, restaurateurs have spoken of the challenges of running your own business, um, particularly obviously because of COVID. But what's some of the great things about having your own restaurant? It's definitely
0: being able to connect with people you normally wouldn't. Like being able to actually talk to customers and then they're like, yeah. oh, well, you, you, own, you own this restaurant. And then you end up making quite good friends um, with different loads of different people that you normally wouldn't I normally wouldn't. But, um, and it's, you know, you can always have nice barbecues at home and order food in. That's <laughs> it's <I'd say. laughs>
2: Well, what's what's the future for for you guys? What's the next year or so looking like? What's do you have any plans, or is it um, change, just ensuring your own identity uh, with Heartyard? Yeah, it's just trying to build a
0: name for ourselves. Uh, yeah, this is definitely not going to be our last our last restaurant. We kind of treat it we treat this now as like a bit of a playground for us both and a massive learning curve. So then when we when we go to do our next one, we get it we get it right. And we have an idea on the direction, what we want to do and how to do it. So it's not like as stressful, even though it will be.
2: Well, I look forward to seeing what that may be in the future. Uh, Dorothy and Jared, yeah. we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds. Please keep in touch and we'll talk again soon. Sounds great. Thank you for having us.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
2: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at podcast, or email us at podcast at Stay safe and be well.